0: We might not be seeing some of the MCU's OG Avengers as soon as we thought. Is Aquaman The Lost Kingdom sunk before it gets a chance to swim? Plus, we've got trailers out the wazoo. All that and more on this week's Multiverse News. Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and with me on the panel today we have Jay Sisson from Commute
2: the Podcast. What's up, Jay? Oh, not too much. Just happy to be here. Multiverse News on Tuesdays—it's a good staple of the week.
0: Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and Haley Hobbs from Source Pages. What's up, Haley Hobbs?
1: Same, same as Jay. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What's up, multiverse news crew? Uh we are. Um we sorry. Um I am. I am that I am. Anyway, sorry, it's a god reference weird thing. Jay Scotty St. Clair from Animation Deliberation, what's going on? Yeah, I understood the
3: reference. Uh yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh excited to be here.
0: I went with we are and it didn't sound right. Like I wanted to like multiverse news, I am. But that felt like it didn't make any sense, even less sense. Okay. The Theology Edition of Multiverse News.
1: (laughs) Just what everybody came for. (laughs) Who was the character
3: that was, uh, I am what I am? I feel like that was like a slogan. That's Popeye. Popeye. okay.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It was more like, I am what I yam. I
0: I got a buddy with really big forearms, and we always called him Popeye. (laughs) I think it hurt his feelings, though, but he never let (laughs) on.
2: He's oh. like I've been working my whole life to get these muscles to be taken seriously, and you guys prepare <laughs> me to papa. <pop> <laughs> Why did I get these anchor tattoos?
0: (laughs) Uh, Okay, our first story this week. During our previous coverage of the much-discussed Variety article assessing the state of the MCU, one of the key takeaways was the supposed fast-tracked plan to reunite the original Avengers lineup on screen. Despite Variety's insider sources, this is apparently not the case, as both Captain America, Chris Evans, and Marvel Studios president, Kevin Feige, cast doubt on the possibility in separate statements last week feige addressed robert downey jr's iron man specifically speaking to the finality of the character's fate while evans expressed how protective he was over his own role coming from respective marvel legends these are not comments to be taken lightly how do we react to them
1: I think it was really important that Kevin Feige squashed those rumors, and he probably thought so as well. So I'm glad that he got out in front of that before it got too many legs. I don't think that many people thought that this would really be true. And I like that he referenced the story when he was talking about, especially with Robert Downey Jr.'s character, that we worked really hard to build that character to what he was at the end, and it would be, you know, basically a shame to walk that back and do something to kind of take away the weight of his sacrifice at the end of the Infinity Saga. So um and then with Chris Evans, I've heard a lot of actors lately keep things open, which is smart of them, right? They're not saying, no, I'm never coming back. I wouldn't do that because that would be a bad career move. So good for him for at least, you know, saying he'd be open to the idea but that it is important for him to keep that character and the integrity of the character that he made it into alive in the way he sees it so I think good PR moves all the way around yeah
0: I I think you're totally right about it being an important thing to squash, even if it's not true. Like even if it's like they are working on it, it's important to squash it because like I I, I always say lie to me Marvel, and I mean it. Like if this was to happen in in secret uh, uh, wars, which I think it should. Like I think there should be a moment we get to see it, some of the at least some of the OG Avengers in mm-hmm. some form, um, but like don't tell me about it. <laughs> like, Don't yeah. warn me that they're coming.
2: Yeah. I think we will see these actors in some form at some point. Like, I don't think it's right around the corner. Um, I don't think that we'll see this like Avengers team up movie next year or something like that. Mm. And I don't even think we'll see them all together in a film that's just dedicated to them. But I think it's just probably understood at this point that these Characters are going to pop up. All of these six original Avengers actors all have good relationships with Marvel for the most part. They all seem happy with the way that it was left. Like they all leave that door open and talk about how much they love the roles and all of that. So I think we won't see that particular version of Iron Man probably on screen. Like no one's going to snap and he's going to come back to life and all of that because we would all hate that. I mean, let's be honest. (laughs) But I think we will see these actors portray these characters one time in some kind of small role, some kind of cameo. It might not be next year, but I think it will happen at some point. And I think that's kind of just understood around Hollywood at this point that that'll happen.
3: I imagine a lot of people, you know, they read these headlines and they might have a reaction that's one of like surprise or disappointment, like talking about the the possibility of reuniting the original Avengers. But like, I think I, I can speak safely for us and like people that tune in for our show, having our finger on the pulse, like these statements are not surprising to someone like me and they're not really disappointing if anything i do think it's a little bit of a vote of confidence and haley like you mentioned it being a good pr move like i wholeheartedly agree like the timing could not be more perfect because like we refer to these guys as respective Marvel figureheads and like Chris Evans, especially like he is no longer actively playing Captain America, but to hear him talk about how protective of the role he is and how grateful he is for that experience and wanting to protect that and have like some sanctity for that. Like that is why we love this universe because of that level of care and intention and dedication to it. Um, so yeah, I, I think Bob Iger, uh, you know, he came out and made some comments here recently about executives in the state of Disney and the state of Marvel. Marvel and, uh, you know, I, I don't think everything that he said was wrong, but I think it was kind of tone deaf. And I think he needs to take a page out of Kevin Feige and Chris Evans book about how to express himself with a little more thoughtfulness and a little more class, because I know he got, he's got it in him, but he's not, uh, you know, taking the L's with a lot of grace right now.
0: Indeed. Well, Bob's pretty tired at this point. <laughs> set a
2: set <laughs> he's a long a couple up years, so. up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: man. I, I I think about the multiverse saga, and if they do bring any of these characters back, or even like alternate versions of characters that are still around, like I could totally see like Chris Hemsworth popping up as an opposite version of Thor, you know, like two Thors in the room, like bouncing off each other could be really funny and fun and like weird stuff like that. But if they do bring back Cap, R- Iron Man, or Black Widow, it will feel. Weird. Like it's almost like, what do you do? Do you want them all three together? Do you want them like to be in separate projects at different points? Like it it just it would it'd be really weird if they bring them all back and we get like five of them, but one doesn't come back, and then you're like do you replace that one with someone else? Like it's, like if you go to a universe where they're all still alive, but one won't come back, like, what do you do? It's it, Like that kind of stuff, I don't know. It's almost like an all or nothing thing. Like,
1: I think it's like Jay said, you get alternate versions of them. And so it would be really fun to see them that way. You'd get like maybe a Tony Stark who is a total drunk, like he is in some of the comics, and he's just mm-hmm. like slobbering around in his Iron Man suit. And then maybe you get a, a Black Widow that's a little more... Um, well, I don't know I mean and I think that would appeal to the actors too like th- for them to get to play the character but in a very different way I think that's something actors really enjoy and so I could definitely see it being like that especially for Secret Wars
0: yeah absolutely that that would definitely be a thing to bring them back to the role I mean I think Donnie Jr. has even said that that's what kept him with the role as long as he did like they kept doing something different enough with Tony that he's in a different emotional place that he was it was interesting to him yeah Up next, the internet unleashed an absolute slew of trailers this week. We've tabulated a total of seven high-profile trailer releases and have narrowed it down to four we feel most deserve to be featured in this week's edition of Trailer Park. Uh, First up, Godzilla X-Kong, The New Empire.
3: Yeah, so this is an interesting one to discuss because Godzilla is definitely in the air right now. Godzilla's in the ether. We're all talking about whether it's, you know, Godzilla minus one, the legendary, uh, monsters TV show that's on Apple plus right now or this trailer. And, you know, I, I, gotta say like this trailer works for me on a very base level. Like if I tap into, you know, my reptilian brain, turn the brain <laughs> off just to enjoy mm-hmm. the spectacle. Yeah.
0: It works for the reptilian brain and the monkey brain. Either yeah. One. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Uh, <laughs> thinking
3: about Godzilla minus one being out right now, like, and how, absolutely beautiful and moving that movie was like a little quick review for you uh no movie has made me cry as much as Godzilla minus one since 2017's Coco so I that never would have been on my <laughs> bingo card for a Godzilla movie but uh you know this trailer does look fun but it's it kind of feels like the weakest part of the Godzilla machine right now which is you know a, a little disappointing but I'll reserve judgment and and see what we get with future marketing
2: yeah, I don't know about this one. Like, I I stepped away kind of feeling like, what's going on here? Like, it, it doesn't really give a whole lot away about the story, which it is a first trailer, so you got to keep that in mind. But I kind of walked away thinking, like, this trailer probably isn't going to draw in a wider audience, which I don't know if it's trying to do. Uh, but I don't know if necessarily, like, the average viewer is going to see the trailer and be like, I got to go see this. You know, I got to go see Godzilla and, and King Kong. Hmm. I think people who are fans of... That universe and those movies will want to see it because it does line up with that feel, but I don't know if it's got that appeal where it's going to make people want to check it out for the first time. So I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm interested to see another trailer. I'm interested to see if they give us a little bit more of that story, like what's going on here, what's the conflict, why are they working together? You know, like tell me a little bit more about that. But um, I definitely walked away with more, I think, more questions than excitement. I guess around the whole thing but it's also been a while since these movies have come out so maybe i just need to refresh my memory a little bit
0: then we also had a new trailer for furiosa a mad max saga
2: yeah so um this trailer was really interesting like i walked away with the same concerns everybody else did i think which the internet was ablaze talking about the cgi uh, in the trailer and talking about feeling like it looked weird it looked you know it just didn't like it looked washed out looked underwater but then when you watch mad max itself the movie it does sort of have that feel and not in the way that the flash had that feel where it felt like it was not good but it just kind of like mirrored the world in a certain way so i don't know like i i need to go back and watch mad max again and and then watch this trailer and see like is there a connection there but i do trust the storytellers behind this i thought the story looked interesting, like it did enough to draw me into the idea that there's an expansion of the world that needs done here. I thought Chris Hemsworth was a really cool surprise in this trailer. Like he acted mm-hmm. in a way I didn't expect him to act. I just kind of expected him to be Chris Hemsworth, to kind of be like the extraction slash Thor kind of guy. But he really did surprise me a little bit. He he seemed like he was kind of this more like zany type villain. And so that that was intriguing. That was really interesting. So yeah, I definitely walked away with this trailer uh, kind of looking at this movie. I was already interested but i think this seems like a movie i definitely want to see now after seeing this trailer i made the mistake of
3: going to the youtube comment section on this trailer and like one of the top <laughs> comments was why didn't they cast florence Pugh as furiosa and i was like oh it's perfect but i i <laughs> anya taylor joy looks great and i'm really excited to see what she brings to the role
1: gotta watch out for that oversaturation.
3: that's true mm-hmm. that's true <laughs>
0: true uh the- this trailer, I got a little bit of vibes. I really like Fury Road, but part of what I like about it is it's a very simple story, and if you've ever seen Land of the Dead, uh, no. it's like Romero's, George Romero's like fourth zombie movie. He made okay. like Uh, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, and then, like, 30 years later, he made Land of the Dead. And it's, like, a movie about them having, like, a city that exists inside the zombie world. And for some reason, this movie gave – this trailer gave me vibes of that with, Mm -hmm. like – it just felt, like, almost like it was giving me too much. These movies have – are about – yes, they're about these societies that spring up, but it all feels very small and, like – Fury Road felt like this one little, like, fiefdom, and they're just trying to get away, and it's just a race. The whole movie is just them running away. And it feels it feels small, it feels, like, visceral. This felt like they're trying to add a lot of context with multiple factions, and, you know, it is a prequel, so maybe the world hasn't fallen as far. I don't know. It just felt like they're making a little maybe trying to world build too much. Cause I think the Mad Max story has always been really cool world, the fall of society, the world's a desert. And then you just have like very simple stories within it. This one feels like maybe the trailer made me feel like it might be going a little too complex for this kind of a genre film. Um, because this, yeah, Fury Road killed it. And I'm hoping this, one I'm, I have all hopes for this one I really do. Uh, we also had a trailer for the boys season four. Season four, baby. Uh, baby, this is coming off of Gen V, uh, which I thought worked really well, uh, and I'm excited for more stuff in the boys' universe. It's interesting, because it seems like they're really setting up this idea that there are two factions forming among the citizenry of the world of the boys, which is the, with like, uh, uh, almost like a good guy and a bad guy. But if I know anything about the world of the boys, that is never how it turns out. <laughs> it's like corru- the power corrupts is like the entire message of that show and so it makes me worried for our good guys if they have a faction forming and the, the, like people behind them, the the citizens of the world behind them, like what is gonna happen it just it's too morally complex of a world for them to just end up having like, hey, support this guy support. Uh, support home image or support starlight or whatever. Like it just doesn't feel like that's going to be, it's not going to be a light versus dark story, even though it looks like this trailer is lining up for. So I'm interested to see what, how it gets complex, I guess.
2: Yeah. I walked away wondering where that mainline story is going uh, in a good way, because I think the boys is hitting its peak right now. We're witnessing hit that peak where it's taking on so much, more serious baggage it's always been a comedy show in some ways but it's always been very serious and this trailer felt even more of that like it felt very dark it felt very serious it felt like they were setting up something very intentionally to take this tone shift in a way with this season and it does make me wonder like where are we going with like the carl urban anthony Starr, like homelander you know that whole thing like where are we going with that because i think it is probably moving towards a resolution sooner than later. But Gen V has shown us that this universe does have legs and they can continue Mm -hmm. to build the universe out around other people. You could leave the mainline story sort of open and bring back those characters if you wanted to. Uh, We've already got confirmation that we talked about last week about a show in this universe set in Mexico that's in development. We know Gen V is getting a second season. So I think overall we're seeing this universe expand But it does just make me reflect on this mainline story, which has been so good and so consistent, but probably coming to this climax at some point, like probably going to have maybe after this season four, probably one, you know, maybe two seasons left before we're wrapping that up and we're expanding and building the universe around these other characters that are being created.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, I I forgot to mention Jeffrey Dean Morgan showed up in this trailer, which I did not uh, know he was going to be in the season. I think we may have mentioned it at some point on the show, but I'd forgotten it. Um, and that's exciting to me. It, it almost feels weird because his characterizations in a lot of other shows and even what he's showing here seems almost very similar to the the kind of character Carl Urban plays. So I, I'm excited to see those two uh, on screen together. He's just a great pull. He's a great actor. I've, I like him in everything I've seen him in. So I'm excited for what he does on the show. And lastly, in our trailer park, uh, a video game trailer. What are we Whoa. doing here? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, this this is interesting. We, we this is a GTA Six got its trailer. Uh, what did you think, Jay Scotty?
3: Yeah, this has had to be one of the most highly anticipated entertainment trailers of all time. It's been ten years since we got. GTA 5, uh, which is the highest selling video game of all time. It generates so much money for Take Two and Rockstar. So um, in terms of the trailer, like this was a case of like um in terms of the way it was released, I'm kind of like simultaneously happy, but also disappointed in the fandom because uh at the time of this recording, originally we would not have been able to talk about the details of this trailer because it wasn't supposed to come out until tomorrow. But leaks happened, and actually a high-profile leak involving a, a Rockstar executive's child releasing this stuff oh, caused wow. this trailer to get released early. But, um, you know, Rockstar has a history. Their initial trailer is, is very much a teaser trailer. You don't really get too much about the story. You get a few spoken lines of dialogue. It looks like we're going to get our first Female protagonists were taking a return to Vice City, which was the third uh, the setting for the third entry in the game that came out in the mid 2000s. So, just seeing the graphic overhaul, seeing the next gen technology truly put to the test, uh, I think this was a great first little taste. And now I'm just you know I'm not holding my breath because uh, Rockstar, their commitment to quality usually ends up with their games getting delayed not once, not twice, but sometimes you know upwards of three times. So they're projecting 2025. Uh, it'll probably be at the very end of
2: 2025, if not 2026. I couldn't believe it when that 2025 popped up. I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me right now? <laughs> I was like, why are you showing it right now? Uh, but yeah, I mean, this, this became the most viewed video in YouTube like history in 24 hours, like immediately, even with the uh, leaks. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the hype is there. Uh, this company has shown us that they have a extreme commitment to detail I mean I played Red Dead Redemption too um, that th- it was crazy the amount of detail in that thing so you think about a next console and all the power that comes with that the years that have been behind the scenes that they've been working on it I mean it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting it's gonna be the the next thing in like an open world type thing I mean it's gonna it's gonna change the change the whole uh, landscape of the the genre I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, interesting to see if it has legs like GTA 5 did I mean
0: I still go into uh, well, GameStop and it's still like one of the it's still on the shelves as a pre-owned game and it still costs a good bit like it's not like you know it's like weird that that game as you said 10 years that's yeah. crazy to think about um, and yeah it's it's still played It's I still hear about it being talked about online I still see streamers playing it like it's still going 10 years later which is not the sort of path video games normally take. So, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty, pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) Is that like Kerber Enthusiasm Mario? (laughs) I don't know.
2: (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) I thought you nailed it, Scotty.
2: (laughs) I liked it. You have to explain it at the Halloween party, you're like, I'm curb your enthusiasm, Mario. It's like everybody's like, What the hell is that? (laughs) Don't you get the multiverse news reference from that one time I said pretty pretty cool?
1: When in actuality you're just being Chris Pratt.
2: actually uh, i just had a like that inspired me like a good halloween costume next year like you go as all of the characters that chris pratt has voiced oh, so you like how yeah. you know you like you've got some garfield you've got some mario you got you know i'm sure mm-hmm. there'll be like two others before then sure like, you could really make it <laughs> could really like get this thing like really specific yeah it's like <laughs> the cat ears with the star lord code
0: yeah um yeah i don't know uh okay up next, uh, industry box office predictions for Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom's domestic opening are not optimistic. With the last gasp of the floundering DCEU expected to pull in a mere $40 million over the four-day holiday weekend. Warner Brothers' own projections are slightly more generous at $50 million dollars. With that over-under, it's almost like they knew about our little wager here. <laughs> how do these estimations land with us? And most importantly, how is Jay feeling about his odds?
2: Um, I'm feeling great about it uh, after reading this report, especially seeing that Warner Brothers projected 10 to $20 million more than what everyone else is. I'm like okay, we're rolling now. This thing's going to bomb big time. (laughs) We're not even talking about is it going to bomb. We're talking about how bad is it going to bomb at this (laughs) point. Like, it, am I still going to lose the bet? Maybe, because I gave them an extremely low bar to hit, which is $40 million mm-hmm. domestically, which is like catastrophic bomb. You know, even hitting 50, like that's not great for a movie of this budget. The first one made $67 million in its opening weekend, and it made over a billion worldwide in its run. This is going to get nowhere close to that. And it's just, it's because this this movie people don't want to see this movie for a lot of reasons and one is because the D- the DCEU it's going out with a whimper like it's not going out with a bang like they're mm-hmm. not bringing it to a satisfying conclusion they're not tying up these character storylines they diverted them in all these different directions with the flash and oh we got new batman and the flash now with george clooney because of the cameo and we've got superman oh wait he's also in black adam so i guess that's part of it now too and you got wonder woman hanging out without a resolution and we never got the ben affleck movie and we never got part two of the snyder cut you know it's all this stuff and then oh okay but we're gonna tie it all up with aquaman 2 and it's not going to bring a meaningful resolution to any of that but it's still in that in that verse and and I'm I'm saying like if you're gonna pitch me that movie, you gotta pitch it as its own thing. Like you can't pitch it as Mm -hmm. this is the CEU, this is the end of the DCU. You gotta pitch it as like, hey guys, we get it, but this movie is self-contained. If you like the first one, this is a good part two, see it for that reason. Because clearly people liked the first one because it made over a billion dollars. So the people are there that paid the money a few years ago but I don't think those same people, at least in droves, are going to be coming back to the theater to see this because they know that the reboot is on the way. They know that, I mean, unless you're seeing it for Jason Momoa, which you know he's got a lot of pull. Like people love Permission Jason Momoa. To come aboard. <laughs> unless you're you're seeing it for that, you're seeing it because you're just a DC EU diehard. Um, like who, who's going out to see this on opening weekend? You know, like I, I just, I don't, <laughs> well, you see everything, Scotty, uh, but, <laughs> but, uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just on a, on a general, on a general thing. I just, I don't see it for this thing. It's just, it's, they, they haven't pitched it in a way that makes the average person want to go see it. It's like, it's connected and you just have to deal with all the consequences of it being connected. And I, I just Do you think feel that's like that's them backfire. pitching it that way, though? Like
0: I, Watching the trailers, like I have not gotten the sense that they're trying to connect it all over the universe. This trailer seems like it's just Aquaman's story from the first one continued with his brother and the this and the that.
1: But you can't separate it from the universe that it's in. Like It's cemented in people's minds.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's true, but I think that's more us putting it on it. I think they're trying yeah. to pitch it that way, so I just, they're throwing that out there.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'd say the average person that doesn't listen to this podcast every week, like they probably don't know about the huge DC overhaul. I mean, you True. think about the average movie theater, of course, you're DC fans and all, of course they know that. But like the average movie goer who a lot of them went out and saw this first Aquaman movie, like they probably don't know about the big reboot stuff. And uh, that's, you know, This is a, (laughs) this is like, it's just, this movie is in a weird place. It got pushed around, it got rewritten, it got, had all this weird drama behind the scenes. And now it's left with this task of closing out the DCEU, which it's not prepared to do. So it's just, you know, I I don't know. I I don't think you're going to get those heart, like the people who love Snyder, for example, like they went out and saw Black Adam because they heard Henry Cavill was in it. You know, like that movie Mm -hmm. made like 67 something million dollars in its opening weekend. Like it had a really solid opening weekend. Didn't do great after that, but it had a really solid opening weekend because people heard Henry Cavill was in it and they love Snyder and they love that. I don't think you're like hardcore Snyder fans are going out to see this because there's nothing after it, right? It's not setting up Mm. anything else. Um, And so it's just, it's just, it's facing a lot. And I just don't know if it has the gravitas to pull off all of these hurdles it has to jump to have this successful weekend. So like I said, at the beginning, I mean, we're talking about how hard it's going to bomb at this point um, on opening weekend. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't see a scenario where this movie um, we can consider a success.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean like it's, it's just more of that conversation we're always having about how does the audience work? Like, what gets them out to the theater these days? Because, you know, yes, the DCU is falling apart, or has fallen apart years ago, and, like, is just sort of, like, having its last gasp. But, like, Marvel is also struggling, but, like, not to that level. And we just had, you know, as we all talked about on last week's episode, like, the lowest second week for the Marvels, you know? Like, lowest second week of any of these superhero movies, like, which is crazy. Um, And it just, I kept thinking, like, there's not that many, like what you just said, like the people that are listening to this show, the people, the, the the real core audience that's like gonna see everything because they're like, yeah, those some of those people are falling off because of all this drama, less interested at least. They might still go, they might go a different weekend, whatever. But like, it makes me wonder like, how does that big, how do you hit those big 100 million, 200 million openings? Like, is it because the cultural conversation around it is so extreme? Is it because there are people like us that are such hardcore fans and they get so excited they make six of their friends go? Because it's not, the core audience is not the $200 million audience. Somehow the core audience being pleased converts into those big like cultural moments like an Endgame or Infinity War.
3: Yeah, but you know... I like that first Aquaman movie, but I do think it's a little bit of a, an outlier in that, that, you know, phenomenon that you're, you're describing there. Like that movie grossed over a a billion dollars, but it was actually received. It was pretty divisive amongst audiences and critics, but there was just something about it. It generated those repeat views. I think people just like at that point in time, they like something about the, again, it's same language I used when I was talking about Godzilla and X-Kong, but you just can kind of turn your brain off and then just enjoy the visual spectacle. And you know, that's what I liked that first Aquaman for. But yeah, I'm going to go see Aquaman and the Lost, King- Lost Kingdom. But I, you know, I never actively root for any creative endeavor to fail. But I'll be honest, like my interest in this is, is shifting more to morbid curiosity rather than genuine excitement for it. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> I've gone on a journey with this movie where like I was not interested. And then the trailer full one came out, and I was like, this doesn't look so bad. And then when I've seen it, the trailer in movie theaters after that, I'm like, this is just looks like Jason Momoa, Jason Momoing in the movie. And I'm like, (laughs) do I really want to watch it? Like, we're not even going to cover it on source pages. We don't have the interest in it. And we're people who go to see everything. And it's kind of like, it's just not, there's just not the appeal for this movie at this time for this franchise. It's, it's rough.
2: Yeah, people felt, I think, a little bait and switched by The Flash, too, because I think The Flash did sort of have a lot of this, this is going to, I mean, there was a lot of talk before it came out, like, we have ideas for a sequel, and if you go see this, maybe Michael Keaton will get his Batman movie, and there's all this multiversal connection, so anything could happen. And a lot of people who were attached to that Justice League, and they saw the Snyder Cut, and they really liked it, and they sort of got invested into it a little bit they felt like maybe this movie could bridge these two things together. Like, I I don't know about you guys, but I mean, maybe I fell for it, but I sort of walked into that movie thinking that there would be this setting up bridging between these two new universes or this gun universe and all these things. Um, Maybe not like super laid out exactly, but that there would be some sort of a connective tissue that if they wanted to bring some of these characters over, they could. Uh, But I left that movie thinking, wow, that's, that led us nowhere. Like that, that movie was a movie that tried to have an open end, but it did not uh, end up with an open end that people liked. And so now you've got this Aquaman movie, which I think if, if it could have been pitched as this is the end of the DCU and it wraps up the DCU, it wraps up the story, Right. If you had seen the resolution to a lot of these stories and this brings it to a close, I do think there would be a lot more interest in it because it's a resolution and people sure. like resolutions to stories, especially once they followed for over a decade. And they spent, you know, multiple hundreds of millions of opening weekends box offices on. But for this to not, we know it's not going to do that. Um, we, I think Jason Momoa will be involved in some way in James Gunn's universe, but I don't think he'll be playing Aquaman. Uh, and so there's, you know, there's there's just a lot this movie is it's it was made with a huge budget you know it's got a lot to overcome to uh, to be what we market as successful and like you know if you're if you're listening to this and you're like arguing with me because you know you love aquaman like i don't want to rain on your parade i don't mean it like that i'm just talking about from like a business standpoint like this movie is not going to do well mm-hmm. um, and it's just it is what it is it's and it's some of it's its fault but a lot of it's not its fault
1: mhm
0: I, I i'm sitting here thinking about how they laid this out and how they could have saved this. And you know what? I think they could have, could have made this really work. Like the D- it could have brought the DCEU back from the brink. If they'd given Michael Keaton his four, like his third Batman movie, then led into the flash. And like, and my mind immediately goes to what if that's what Batwoman was supposed to be? You know what I mean? Like, Batman. cause it was supposed to have Michael Keaton in it as well. Right. Right. Yeah. So I wonder if there's a world where like you sell that movie as hey it's just Michael Keaton's Batman it's a one-off movie it's a one-off movie with Michael Keaton's Batman returning to the role and he's like uh training up Batwoman or whatever or if you do, even if it's not that movie if it's a different ba- Michael Keaton Batman movie and then you end it with a flash tag you bring in all this audience that's like, w- would love to see a Michael Keaton movie without all the weight of the DCEU, and then you intrigue them back into the DCEU, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Sorry. That's just Monday morning quarterbacking, mm-hmm. but like, <laughs> that sounds like it could have really worked because it could have gotten that audience back that just wants to see a simple story about Michael Keaton's Batman, <laughs> about Michael Keaton, uh, about Michael Keaton's Batman, and then then you sort of like, t- give them a little taste of the DCEU and try to get them back, but they I, I just didn't do that. Yeah,
3: I've often been a defender of the DCEU, but I I don't think there's like a leg you can stand on. uh, If you try to argue the fact that they've they've just been way too reactive rather than proactive. So your idea there is great, but that would require some like foresight and you know like exactly. understanding of what the audience's actual <laughs> intentions are and it's just like yeah it's just like oh we talked about it like with barb and, Heimer, and i feel like that's just kind of what's going on over there at, at warner brothers in dc oh this worked Let's, how fast can we make that happen yeah, yeah you, you don't understand why it worked. Yeah.
0: right yeah it's something me and uh dave from dc on screen always I, I always say argue and then he gets on me about like we don't argue we just talk about this stuff and you see how argue he makes me feel like an asshole uh, but no he, we, we just talk about this stuff but uh is the idea that, like, it's really crazy how DC came on the scene and they immediately wanted a team-up movie as yeah. soon as they could because they wanted to compete with Avengers. And and, and, and like, they immediately wanted the team-up movie that – actually, they, they, instead of even having a team-up movie, they did Batman v Superman that came out the same summer as Civil War. So yes. it's like they were just doing the same thing. And then they did uh, – it, it's like multiple sort of, like, things that they did were immediately – paralleling what Marvel was doing and just not doing it as well and not doing it with established characters and didn't work. And that's that reactive thing you're talking about. But Dave's defense is always no, like Marvel, those movies were announced in the opposite order. Like, (laughs) which is really like kind of awful and kind of awesome. If Marvel pulled that off, like they find out that they're doing the Batman V Superman and they're like, yeah, we're going to do civil war.
1: I think that's giving them a lot of credit though. Like I think Marvel, actually did have a plan already and the DC didn't. And so it's coincidence that they were announced the way they were. Um, that's how I, I would imagine. Really. That's how that kind of went down.
2: Something that helps, yeah. too, is Feige is in such lockstep with his creative team, especially throughout the Infinity Saga, where he knew what he wanted, they knew what they wanted, and they aligned. And so you had this creative vision, whereas it was not the same with Warner Brothers. Like right. You had Snyder. Snyder had a very particular vision, and that's why there exists a Batman versus Superman that's okay, and then there exists a Batman versus Superman that's Snyder cut with extra scenes that makes a lot of things make a lot more sense and makes it feel like a more cohesive movie. And those, and we didn't see that one in theaters, right? Then the Snyder cut is the perfect example. Like you get this movie; it's it's long. It's it's a Snyder movie. It's epic. It's long. It's got all these subplots. It's all of that. And he taps into all of his all of his Snyderness in that movie. But then we know the the whole thing with Joss Whedon and how that all played out, and he had to come in and. He cut it up and made it look a different way. So, you know, these visions were just not aligned in the same way Marvel's were. You know, Marvel knew what it was, and uh, they knew what they wanted. And then Warner Brothers and Snyder never really kind of shared, I think, that vision that the Feige's of the world have when they were creating theirs. So there's just very two different paths there in terms of uh, just these shared vision versus a not as quite of a shared vision.
0: I definitely think there's something to that. But again, I think sometimes we have like a little bit of rose colored glasses in thinking that Marvel had it stuff together either because sure. there are different moments in the infinity saga where they veered the wrong way but they course correct the, whatever they're doing over there they they've course corrected in better ways and in more smoothly and less you know let the, whatever and, and i think some of it is the rollout and the pr machine at marvel is better to where like when i go see a movie my expectations are somehow aligned with what i'm watching and like they do a good job of rolling out the information without me overhyping me and without underhyping me like i'm i'm always in and with dc it's like I'm hyped. Oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Oh, you changed it. Oh, you changed it again. Oh, this is different. And even if those changes are happening at Marvel, they just do a good job of narrativizing those changes in a way that doesn't make me mad, except for Edgar Wright on Ant-Man.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you're really honing in on something there because I think about you know the Joker movie starring joaquin phoenix that won an oscar and when that got announced like mm. the timing of that i was just like who the hell asked for that like we do not need another <laughs> standalone joker movie right now and i love that movie I, I haven't rewatched it since the first viewing because it weighs so heavily but it's you know it's a great great film
0: yeah absolutely well we're gonna take a quick break and be right back with our spotify poll lightning round and some funny Willy wonka reviews right after this <laughs> Welcome back to Multiverse News. Uh, we're we're gonna first talk about our Spotify poll. First off, I listened to last week's episode, and everyone was confused by my poll. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I was really glad it was me at four a.m. trying to think of a poll, and I just thought it was funny. Instead of pardoning the turkey, or pardoning one of us, I don't know. It's like it was like a that's that was where that went. Like it was it was Thanksgiving week, and. uh I wanted to. So, yeah. were you
1: thinking of it with malicious intent or not? No, I think Scotty won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Definitely no malicious intent. There's no one getting, uh, like, getting the axe or or real pardon. But I just thought it was a funny thing. Uh, and then when y'all took it that way, on the that was like, oh yeah, I can see that. Sorry, but <laughs> what I love is that it was so even. I, I thought it was pretty great that it was so even. Um, yeah. So, thank you for pardoning all of us. We all made the. Uh, Whatever, the threshold.
3: (laughs) And we are all snacks, if you will.
0: Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Whatever, man. We're a whole meal. We're a whole damn meal. Okay. Uh, But this week's Spotify poll, uh, should Anya Taylor-Joy play the MCU's Silver Surfer? 60% say yes and 40% say no. Ooh.
1: Look at our awesome progressive audience. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I do dig that. I really do dig that. That many, like, because I think it's kind of up in the air. Like, I'm, I could go either way with it. I don't know. Yeah, sure. I do think that just from her, we are getting a little bit of Anya Taylor Joy, like, uh, saturation, especially uh, with her being Furiosa. Um, but y'all mentioned last week, what was it? Uh, Jay Scott, you mentioned some movie she was in. Split. Split. I did not remember that was her. Like, okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, I remember loving her in that movie, but I'd forgotten that that was her because I didn't really know her name until uh, Queen's Gambit. Uh,
3: one of our listeners, Andre Sparks, uh, sent us a message in the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group, and uh, he was providing some further speculation about like, could she potentially be playing Doom's daughter or a variant of Doom? And Ooh. I kind of responded to him. The more I've been thinking about like, Anya Taylor-Joy being rumored for a villainous role like uh my limited knowledge of the comics i know mole man was a very very early foe of the fantastic four so i keep thinking like <laughs> how else, how better to subvert expectations to like, take a character like mole man and make <laughs> anya taylor <laughs> joy a mole man kind of like what they did with Ratcatcher 2 and uh, the suicide
2: squad love to see that pitch oh like they bring yeah. her in, they're like anya we got a big role for you we know you're a gigantic movie star and it'll, it'll just hear us <laughs> out.
1: <laughs> um, I do kind of like the pull for Valeria Richards, which would be Doom and Sue or mm-hmm. Sue Storm's daughter okay. uh, in Secret Wars. Mm. So that's nice. not a bad, not a bad one.
0: Doom and Sue Storm's daughter. Interesting.
1: Alternate universe.
0: Love that. Love that. Cool. Before we move on with our uh, with the with the fun Wonker reviews, we found. Mm-hmm. Um, We have a Patreon. If you like this show, go subscribe to the Patreon. It really helps us out. We uh, really like making this show, but it does take a lot of hours of work to make this show. We really uh, put a lot of effort into this one, and we really would love for you to support the show Um, at Patreon.com/slash Multiverse Newscast. It's four dollars a month. It's a dollar per show. We're we're putting out these shows more than
2: less than a dollar per show. You should do it. You should we're do, do it. it. We're doing some fun stuff over there too. We're kind of giving you the chance to get involved in the show. Like last week, got to kind of get involved and share some topic ideas. There's some some exclusive stuff going on over there. So we're trying to make it more than just hey, you're supporting us, which is great. But we're trying to make those dollars actually worth something too. So um, it, it's it's worth it to check it out. It's more it's more than just a tip jar. Like you're getting you're going to get something from it, which is uh, which is always good. That's right, but also, support me. But also, please please help.
1: <laughs> Everybody just just support Matt.
0: Support me. I need it. Help, help me feed my family. Uh, just go real beggy with it. Uh, right, so uh, some Willy Wonka reviews, or Wonka. I keep call Willy Wonka. Wonka reviews uh, that you, you guys found online. Uh, this first All one's right. just... Uh, the most fun you'll have at the cinema all year. It's a five-star review from the Telegraph. That's pretty that's pretty I high praise. I don't know about Disagree. that. Let's let's calm down. <laughs> let's calm down a little bit. Uh, BBC calls it <laughs> relentlessly, wacky <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> relentlessly wacky and over the top. I mean, I get that from the trailer.
2: The trailer's relentlessly wacky and over the top.
0: I it's interesting. I don't. I. I kind of hope it's wackier than the trailer is. Like the trailer is kind of whack, but I. I think the like <laughs> the old school seventies one is like wacky, and I would like to see more wacky from it. Um. Yeah. Uh. But the London Times awarded it just two stars and said the film was as hollow as a chocolate egg. Ouch. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. Pretty brutal. Uh. I'd. I'd prefer a Cadbury egg, please. <laughs> the gooey center. The New York Post says Wonka is its own totally unchallenging confection, uh, a Nestle Crunch bar of a movie. <laughs> okay. that's,
2: that
0: was my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: pretty
0: good. <laughs> I love how much shade it's throwing at the Crunch bar. Like, I know. come on! I agree, now. it's a terrible candy. Oh, oh it's no, it's not that bad. Great. The Crunch is terrible. You're in the minority in this one. I'm okay with that. I stand firm. (laughs) How do you feel about Mr. Goodbar?
1: I love Mr. Goodbar.
0: Listen, sometimes everyone will tell you to stand and tell you to move, but you have to stand by the tree of truth and say, no, you move. The Crunch Bar is
3: trash.
1: That's such a singularity, Matt.
3: Hey, what are you doing standing by that tree over there? I'm making chocolate, of course. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Damn it, we got it in. <laughs> uh, I, need,
2: I need to know what, um, like, especially uh, Haley. I, I know you're probably not going to go see this in theaters, but God, no. um, I do want to know what people. <laughs> Who are, like, more in God, tune with, like, musical movies, which I know you are. Uh, I want to know, like, what you think of the songs. Like, that's that's always what I'm curious about. Because we got another musical um, movie coming out, same time frame, The Color Purple. Though they're both from Warner Brothers. great. Uh, but, you know, and it's getting some pop, too. Like, people really like it. So, I do wonder, like, what the deal is with that. You got two... It seems like it's kind of I don't know similar shared audience a little bit in a way like not totally but like they're the middle of that Venn diagram feels big right I mean they're both musical movies right I mean you're looking uh, at me I like, didn't no realize way. Wonka was a musical <laughs> is Wonka a musical it, it is in a the musical. reviews yeah. they said yeah this is yes. a straight up musical yeah I
1: yeah he's did like twirling like around on poles and they're bing bonging around in the the chocolate shop and <laughs> freaking Hugh Grant is an Oompa Loompa and it's it's chaos.
0: I I had no idea like I've seen the first trailer and I don't remember there being musical numbers in that first trailer I feel like that's happened more and more with musicals they advertise them then I get to the theater and find out it's a musical I forget what that happened to me recently feels almost like they know that Musicals have a bad reputation among some. Uh, they have people that love them, but they want to go beyond just the lovers of musicals. And so sometimes it feels like they don't actually show the people singing and dancing until you get to theaters. I've seen that happen a couple of times. I don't know. The wait. I will say kind of the switch
1: untrue. Of the Wonka trailer of- <laughs> 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 is it? Is it not? Do they sing and dance in the first yeah. Wonka trailer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
3: They do well, see some choreography at the very least. Yeah.
1: There's there's some jazz handsing.
0: <laughs> okay
1: but i feel like they are doing that with the color purple like i think i've seen that trailer two or three times and at first i was like oh there's gonna be some cool music in this movie and then the next couple times i was like oh this is going to be like a musical this is really mm. cool that they're kind of going a different way with it
3: yeah hmm. public service announcement the new uh, mean girls movie that's coming out is a musical as well <laughs> yeah you I might not be that able that to tell at. from the trailer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I knew that because it's called Mean Girls the Musical. Like, oh, was it? I, I saw the trailer I, recently. I don't remember seeing the we musical
1: underneath.
0: <laughs> well well no no, I mean like because the trailer said that that's like I knew it's called that, right? Isn't it? Isn't it called Mean Girls the Musical? I think, yeah. I,
1: I think but we talked about it like months ago.
0: We did, we did. Oh, I know. I know, but okay. like, it, like I'm saying, they made it clear in the in the trailer that it was a musical by calling it the musical. But I don't remember. I if Could there's be wrong. Songs but when the
3: title ca- card came up, I remember thinking that it was kind of confusing that they didn't put. Yeah, you know, I musical think it's there. just
1: called Mean Girls.
3: Okay,
0: okay. I thought it was Mean Girls the musical. I, I think on because isn't it a previously existing musical? Then they do it live Correct. and stuff.
2: Yeah, it's based on the Mean Girls musical.
1: Yeah, it's okay. The adaptation of the Broadway show.
2: Gotcha. Okay. We got there.
1: It's a movie adaptation of the Broadway show, which is an adaptation of the movie, which is an adaptation of the book.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, landed that plane, baby. <laughs> we got there. All right, we're
0: getting into the lighting round now with uh, where where I'm going to uh, read another story or two or s- at ten. Uh, <laughs> and only one person gets to respond. They chime into in bu- with their name. Uh, and if you would like, you get one rebuttal if you miss the... the uh, the first person to chime in. So, here we go. Chris Evans wasn't the only Avengers actor to go on record about his protectiveness and ownership of his role. Speaking with Collider, Tom Holland indicated while conversations about another Spider-Man film were in the works, he wouldn't be returning to the role just for the sake of it. Matt, uh, we we talked about this on the MCU cast, uh, so feel free to say something to somebody. sorry. Sorry, sure. but like yeah. the fact that this guy and Uh, Tom Holland and Chris Evans came out and said this on the same week made me feel like they are trying for some sort of like some sort of like secret wars thing. And they're in the middle of the negotiations. And this is them going out in the the world saying like, nah, I don't really need to return. I'm good. And then like Marvel's like, no, you do. And there's money being like pushed at them. Uh, But I don't know. That's the vibe I got from this and coming out the same week as the Chris Evans thing
3: yeah the cynic in me notices how similar some of that language is, and it does feel yes. like maybe there was like you know some behind the scenes coaching going on. But then the fan and me just like I, I had a conversation with a friend uh, uh, earlier today, actually, and we were talking about the characters of Captain America and Spider-Man and their, you know, their first forays in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the two of the moments that are my, my favorite moments out of the whole saga so far and always give me goosebumps. But uh, when Captain America dives on the dummy grenade in the first Avenger And then when, uh, you know, Spider-Man and Homecoming, he's got the rubble on top of him. And he's like, come on, Spider-Man, come on, Spider-Man. And like, Mm. it's, it's those reasons they cast those characters so perfectly with people that just embody them so well that they just resonate. And they like, if, even if it is just a a PR move, it's, it's working for me. (laughs) They got the right people saying the right things. So good on you, Marvel.
0: Absolutely. Eli Roth is working on a follow-up to his holiday slasher, Thanksgiving, which has earned more than $30 million worldwide. The sequel is scheduled for release in 2025.
3: Scotty, I absolutely love Thanksgiving. It was Mm. so much fun. Uh, I look forward to a sequel, and hopefully they give him a little bit more of a budget so he can go even more all out. Nice.
1: Tiny butt, check out Bill and Ashley's Terror Theater for their review of the movie.
0: Oh, sweet 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 Warner Brothers is developing a new spin-off of Big Bang Theory. Although specifics about the setting and or characters are not available yet, Chuck Lorre, the, shore, the shores shores Chuck Lorre, the show's original creator will be involved.
1: Haley, I often think of the Big Bang Theory as one of the last like great sitcoms that aired on network television before streaming really exploded, and if you look at the timeline of it, That's kind of what happened, and it's super interesting that they might, you know, rehash the show in a new way or maybe bring back some of the other actors. I know that the Young Sheldon series, which I've never really watched, but it does have kind of a following, and so Mm -hmm. um, I think that show is such a cultural zeitgeist moment, especially for, like, the geek and nerd world, and it really popularized those things that it still has some pull, so... I mean, I've watched it all the way through. It's enjoyable in its form. I wonder if like, a streaming show would still have that same um, kind of nostalgia of the network show with the laugh track, sort of, I don't know, kind of a theater-esque feel to it even sometimes.
0: Mm -hmm. Tiny butt. I'm really curious to see if they do continue the world of these characters, how different of a genre they might do. Because The Young Sheldon Show is a completely different genre of television show. And mm-hmm. it's really weird that you do have this like multi camera laugh track show that then becomes like Mal- a Malcolm in the Middle style single mm. camera family dramedy. Like it's really strange uh, to make that shift and it's still in the same universe. So uh, I really would like to see. Who knows? Maybe it'll be a horror show.
1: Taking a page from WandaVision. (laughs) Segway. (laughs)
0: That's why we get paid the big bucks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Zero dollars. (laughs) The
0: unveiling of the WandaVision box set has brought forth Sneak A sneak peek into the behind-the-scenes making of Agatha Darkhold Diaries. The special features contain cast interviews, glimpses from the series' production, and exclusive deleted scenes from WandaVision.
1: Haley, I'm a masochist because I bought this because I'm obsessed with WandaVision, but I don't have a Blu-ray player. Oh, <laughs> So... It's on, like, my Christmas list to get once so I can watch this one Blu-ray that I have
0: <laughs>
1: so that I can see this stuff. <laughs> that
0: That is incredibly cute. Uh, Haley?
1: <laughs> I need it. <laughs> also, the stills have looked awesome from uh, Agatha.
0: Mm-hmm, they really have. Uh, we talked about video games earlier. I do that exact thing, but on much grander scale. I love the Batman Arkham series. And... Every time they come out with a new game, it's on the next system. And that happened to me <laughs> three or four times where I bought a new system just to play that one freaking game. Like, I really like those games. <laughs> Luckily, now I have the Spider Man games too, and I love those. So, like, now I have two series that I wait on the new series, new, new, but I buy like
2: a $400 system to play two games. Um,
1: and they say physical media is dead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, no, That's been in the news because Sony uh, announced that their PlayStation store, if you had bought any shows from their PlayStation store from like a certain date, that they were going to be gone from your cloud and there was no way to retrieve them. them away. So yeah, physical media truthers, like they're winning this week. <laughs> oh man, that's terrible. That's
0: why you got to read Back the fine print. hmm <laughs> Amazon has unveiled the initial glimpse of Fallout, an upcoming show inspired by the immensely popular video game series. Featuring Walton Goggins, the series is slated to premiere
2: on Prime on April 12th, 2024. Jay?
3: Scotty. Go ahead, Jay.
2: Oh yeah, um, I, I know you played this too, Scotty. Like Fallout, so like I, I love Fallout. I love the games Fallout. Their the world and the world building of those games is so rich, and there's so much there to pull from, and it has a very distinct feel to it. And I feel like this trailer did a fantastic job of capturing that feel and really like nodding to little things, but also making it feel like it's widely appealing to people. Like, I felt like if I was watching this trailer and I had no notion of the video games or no background, that I would be interested in this. It looks like an HBO trailer. It looks, uh, the creative mind behind Westworld is behind it. It's got a very Westworld feel to it. And I was drawn into it. Like, I'm really excited about this series. Um, And I think that if you are um a fan of the i mean fans of game franchises are always hard to make they're always hard to please but but ultimately like i i walked away being like just i was already excited about it. i was already looking forward to it but i walked away just being like ready for day one uh to to see how this thing plays out i think it looks fantastic Um, if you don't know anything about the world of fallout the short just kind of summary of it uh, is that in the world, the cold war goes hot and nuclear bombs drop all over the earth. And so it follows the way that the games always start is they follow someone in a vault uh, called like vault dwellers, where these vaults have been built around the world to sustain humanity for hundreds of years underground while all the nuclear radiation dissipates. But people have still been living above ground during all this time. So the game always starts with you, as the protagonist leaving the vault and going out into the world and experiencing the world and getting to interact with all of these different people who have you know been in this and the world building's great and there's these factions that are at war and all this type of stuff and um it's it's uh you know it's i think if you're if that sounds intriguing to you like you don't have to have any background knowledge you can just dive right in and um looks great I'm excited for it awesome HBO revealed the first
0: trailer for Game of the Game of Thrones prequel series House of the Dragon Season 2, the eight-episode series, will debut on Max next summer. Matt, love Season 1, absolutely love Season 1, and excited for Season 2, excited to cover Season 2 on Pandavision. Um, really, really great show. Uh, and it, um, yeah, watching this trailer just made me more excited for Season 2. And it seems like, in some ways, it's kind of crazy because they get bigger budgets uh, than Game of Thrones got in its early days, you know? Um, and it's like the, the amount they use the dragons and the battles in this show are just so much more than they did with the, uh, with, with Game of Thrones. And so it's, it's, it's interesting. Like you see the trailer and instead of like, Oh, we're going to give Khaleesi three little dragons. It's like, Oh, we're going to have dragon wars. And it's <laughs> like, Ooh, yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. That, that's kind of what I felt like I was promised in the first show. Um yeah, it, lo- it, it looks cool. looks cool. And the, the characters uh, on the show have been awesome. Really, really cool story. Paramount Plus has released its first trailer for season two of Halo, the series based on the video game franchise. The series will debut on February 8th, 2024.
3: Scotty, um, I made it like 75% of the way through the first season. And, you know, it had some good things going for it. It had some cool action set pieces. I think it... Uh, did the best it could with a moderate budget. It really stretched that, that money in terms of like the practical being blended with the uh, computer generated effects very well, but ultimately the characterization in the story just wasn't there. Um, so, you know, I, and uh, from what I remember, that seemed to be the general sentiment. So I'm actually kind of surprised that this is getting a second season, but I hope they can learn their lessons from that first season. And uh, you know, come back to this world that has, you know, so much going for it with uh, some stronger stories and characters that I actually care
0: about tiny, but I'm shocked sure. this show's still on. I really was like, I, I watched paired a lot of Paramount plus for star Trek and they, uh-huh. s- Inundated me with ads for it, and it felt like that was a long time ago. It was. It was full two years ago almost that it premiered, oh, and yeah, so I wow. guess that they they yeah. had it. They had a two year turnaround time on the second season. Uh, but uh, I, I so I was, I thought this show was not coming back because I didn't hear anything about it in the zeitgeist. Um, mm-hmm. So I was shocked to hear it's back. Um, hopefully, it'll be good. HBO also premiered a trailer for the fourth season of its anthology crime series, True Detective. Jodie Foster and Kaylee Reese portrayed detectives with troubled pasts, delving into the vanishing of eight scientists from an Arctic research base during the
2: months of sunlight deprivation in Alaska. Jay. I love True Detective. Season one of True Detective is still one of my favorite viewing experiences of any show that I've had uh, with Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson. It's so good. Uh, The other seasons that followed, uh, this is an anthology series, so they all stand on their own. The other seasons that followed were hit or miss. Um, I liked the one with Mahershala Ali. I thought the one with Colin Farrell was fine, but a lot of people really did not like that that, uh, season (laughs) and, and the way that it Played out, but this one looks really interesting. Like the trailer looks great. I think Jodie Foster um, seems like she's going to embody a really interesting character. I'm really excited for it. I think it's uh, it's been a little while since we've had that. Like the first season of True Detective was true water cooler television. Like people were yeah. talking about it every week. Mm-hmm. The theories were going crazy. Like people were watching it as soon as it dropped. And I feel like this one. Has the chance to be that like it has the chance to get to that level again. Um, If if any of them can get to that level again, this one at least has the chance uh, to get there.
0: Robert Downey Jr. said during his Variety Actors on Actors interview with fellow Avenger Mark Ruffalo, "I hate it when people poo-poo a genre because they're all hard and they're all high art when they're done well." Downey Jr. and Ruffalo mainly discuss their 2023 projects, Oppenheimer and Poor Things, respectively.
1: Haley, I watched their whole interview with each other, and it was really cool to hear the two of them talk about Oppenheimer and Poor Things, which I believe comes out this weekend, perhaps? Correct. Um, I think so, yeah. Because they're both like very passionate about those projects, which are very... Different um, roles for both of them to take, and they talk about that a lot. And it's it's kind of cool to hear these Hollywood veterans just talk to each other about you know where they've been and where they're at now. Um, And they didn't really linger too much in Marvel at all. They mentioned you know how big the scope of those movies were, but this quote from Robert Downey Jr. was interesting because it was um, not directly addressing superhero fatigue, but in a way. It kind of was. At the same time, he said it in a way that was very um, ambiguous. He was talking about projects in general, but even Jodie Foster, who we were just talking about, she was quoted this last week as coming out against superhero movies as well. Like, they've had their time. She's over it. I'm like, who cares? Um, (laughs) And so I thought it was nice to hear from Robert Downey Jr., who is highly regarded in cinema these days. um, And I think always has been. He's always been a talent. His father had uh, such high regard from people in the filmmaking business as well, especially uh, people who are independent filmmakers and stuff like that. So I kind of... It kind of felt like a little chuck under the chin from RDJ. Like, it's okay that you guys still love these things because we make them for you to love. And I just, I don't know, I just thought it was kind of warm fuzzy.
2: Yeah, he could have turned around. I mean, he's probably going to win an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor, so he could probably he could have turned around and just been like, "This is a stepping stone in my career that I don't care about," and just like it's it's mindless Mm -hmm. and it's not it didn't challenge me in the way this challenged me. He could have done that. Same with Mark Ruffalo; like, he's in all kinds of stuff now too. Like, Poor Mm -hmm. Things is going to get some some award buzz probably. It already has at the Mm -hmm. uh, film festivals. So you know, easily these guys could have turned around, and the fact that they don't, yeah, it's it's a good sign
1: in a way that we talked last week about how younger stars seem to be trashing on some of their earlier projects, which certainly these two aren't going to trash on the Marvel movies, because like Robert says, how's that new brownstone in West Side, New York to Mark Ruffalo? Like it made them a lot of money and rightly so. And that's totally great. But they didn't linger on any of those aspects of it. And so I thought this is how, you know, veteran actors know how to talk about their body of work rather than you know, just talking shit on something that you had to do when you were young and starting out, because that's kind of what you had to do at the time. Mm,
0: for sure. The Spider-Man noir series in the works at prime has added the Punisher's Steve Lightfoot as showrunner. As previously reported in February, the untitled live action series will follow an older grizzled superhero in the 1930s, New York, uh, an individual with knowledge of the project says that the show will be set in its own universe and the main character will not be Peter Parker.
1: Haley, I think this sounds rad as hell.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm super excited about this.
2: Yeah, I wonder what kind of tone they're going for here. But yeah, it seems with the, adding the Punisher showrunner, like uh, that's a yeah. good sign to me. It shows me that it's going in the direction I would like it to go. For sure. I will
0: say I love the Punisher. I love the actor playing it, but there are some things, especially in season two of the Punisher that I really hate. <laughs> some of the, some of the decisions they made were like, it felt like they weren't putting care into the thought or putting thoughtfulness into the writing of the, sh- the series. Um, and so I kind of, uh, I hope, cause I love the tone and the, the writing for the most part, but then the few things, they, it was like they weren't paying attention to their own character arcs. And so I hope that this, the, I hope that those problems won't be visible because I do love The Punisher, uh, especially season one.
1: I think season two of The Punisher suffered from like, not having much direction. And it was in yeah. that era of Netflix where they gave things too many episodes as well. For sure. Because that's my favorite of the Netflix series as The Punisher. Yeah. Which is really weird for me, I know. That is that's <laughs> interesting. <laughs>
0: for me, it was the... Um, they present Frank Castle with some serious repercussions to his actions and make him, finally, he's going to question whether his punishing is, like... Like, like whether his actions are justified and what his... And then they just, like make it all a trick from the bad guy and then make him not question himself at all. Like, it's like a really weird, like they, they do a thing that like, like, Oh man, he better start thinking about what he's doing. And then the very next episode, he does the same thing with the same risk. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Like, it's just, it's weird.
1: It almost didn't need a second season.
0: (laughs) Mm. Mm. Yeah. I can see that.
3: I'll chime in with a quick rebuttal, just to kind of address the fact that we were talking before we recorded, like, the implication that like Sony is making these partnerships with Disney with Amazon and just like, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. And I wonder what kind of impact it's going to have for the, the Sony verse at large,
2: Mm -hmm. man. I
3: hope none.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's just making more money for them to keep making those terrible movies. <laughs>
3: <laughs> he was in a speakeasy in the 1920s with my mom when she was studying spiders.
2: <laughs>
1: I'm collecting spider
3: people, of course. Oh <laughs> you know, that is actually a, a comic storyline. <laughs> uh,
0: oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, Warner Brothers Home Entertainment dropped details regarding the animated feature Justice League Crisis on Infinite Earths Part 1. The story will ultimately be a three-film series and released throughout 2024, with the first part arriving on January 9th. This iteration of Crisis on Infinite Earths essentially represents the end of the current animated universe, which is called the Tomorrowverse.
3: Scotty this was kind of a final hour entry to our news docket so I'm actually just learning about this right now but this yeah this is cool you know the DC animated uh universe has has built such a reputation uh for quality and uh treating these characters so well so um to you know have not one universe kind of successfully come to a close but now a second one with the tomorrowverse and um you know I haven't seen all the DC animated movies, but I did see Warworld, World, uh, which was one of the most recent releases that just dropped on Max not too long ago. And I, I like everything they're doing from the voice acting to the animation uh, to just the whole presentation. So, uh, you know, DC may be struggling elsewhere, but not in the world of animation.
0: Mm. All right. Warner Brothers released new character posters for Dune Part 2, focusing on the opposers to House Atreides, as well as the heroes we met in the first film scotty uh
3: credit to our very own Haley hobbs for bringing it to my attention that we didn't just get one set of character posters we got you know both the heroes and the villains but uh (laughs) i initially just saw the the villains you know the harkonnen as well as Leia sadu's character uh christopher walken as the emperor uh florence Pugh as you know uh, princess irulan and my takeaway from these posters is um they kind of had like a gold light that they were basked in. And I thought it did a really good job of kind of hearkening to the visualization from that first film. And it felt like they could be on Arrakis with the desert glow, but it also kind of like gave me, it, it sold me on the feeling of like excess and decadence and how these are villains that are just kind of like, you know, they may not be taking the most action outside of Fade Rautha and Dave Batista's, you know, uh, Beast Bon. These are kind of like manipulators that sit in the back and just kind of uh, enjoy the luxury. So I appreciated that aesthetic, knowing these characters from the novels.
1: I liked it too, because a lot of the enemy characters were going to see their scenes in black and white in the movie. And oh, right. so here we got to see them in color. Good point. I thought yeah. you're going to call flow princess of your heart.
3: <laughs> Next time. Next time. For sure. <laughs> Next time, baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and lastly, in a press release that outlined what to expect on Disney Plus in 2024, the three confirmed Marvel Studios shows are Echo, X-Men 97, and Agatha Darkhold Diaries. Disney also confirmed that Star Wars series The Skeleton Crew and The Acolyte will also debut next year. Matt, I immediately want to make a uh, a draft joke because like how we, we now should have redo our it. Shows. <laughs> yeah, we should we redo it. Uh, exactly. Um, we we if you don't know what we're talking about on the Marvel Cinematic Universe it was do the 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 uh, fantasy draft um, okay. where we draft characters and get points. Uh, but we didn't know what shows were coming out and now we do. Uh, I wonder if this will be everything. Uh, because sometimes shows get announced later in the year, or but it's good to know that, that we have at least three things coming. Um, and I'm still really curious how X Men 97 is going to connect. It is a Marvel Studios show, is it going to be in the MCU or the MCM, as it were, with some of the mm. things we've seen photos of like, uh, Hugh Jackman in the very similar costume to the nineties cartoon. Like, is that going to be the cartoon version of Wolverine hopping into the Deadpool movie? Like, are we going to get that kind of shenanigans? I kind of hope so. Uh, cause it would just be really weird and really cool of Kevin Feige. Cause he's, you know, Kevin Feige, like he started on that first X-Men movie in like the year 2000, but he was a big fan of these things. And like, the idea that he might reach back and pull these characters through time to the to now would be so as cool. you're
3: saying this. I've I've always been the kind to of like never let my expectations, you know, impact my enjoyment of what's actually delivered. But now I really want Deadpool three to be Deadpool kills the Fox universe to make way for the animated X Men to be the ones that join the MCU. Like we all we're all here thinking that we're going to get the Fox X Men, and no, we're going to bring the iconic versions of these yeah. characters
0: it would be really cool because it, it is like often said that no one did it better um, mm-hmm. than that nineties. And partially it, it's, it's the ones we all grew up on or at least mm-hmm. the people, kids of that age grew
2: up on. Um, right. And so it, yeah, it'd be really cool to see uh, those, those things come through. I'm really interested in the acolyte. Um, it seems like the, what's been confirmed about that show is it's kind of like a dark side rising during the high Republic type era and, um, show and there's a lot of mystery around it and we've only seen photos from the set and we haven't seen any trailer and like i don't know that show just seems really intriguing and interesting so um, anything that you're talking about like the force and the rise of the dark side which i think needs some filling in to be done probably in the star wars universe like this show can can maybe do that a little bit i'm, I'm really interested to see what, what that's all about absolutely uh, well, that's our that's our news that we had this evening.
0: Uh, so thankful to be here with you guys today. I, I'm sad I missed last week. We were getting the final bits of stuff out of my mom's house uh, to move her in here, uh, and it was quite a long 10-hour day of moving boxes and packing boxes, because even though I tried to convince them for 3 months to pack the house up they didn't do it so it's been 10 hours just packing and moving their house uh, it was it was actually it was like my fifth trip down it was the final one and i was like it's got to be done today just get everything Start just like putting boxes next to the counter and like scraping whole box whole counters into boxes like we'll sort it at the new house like just we're going we're going um so got my mom finally moved in so thank you for carrying on without me um but let's hear where else they can find you guys online jay sisson
2: yeah i'm at commute the podcast where you can learn a few interesting things on your way to work for about 20 minutes Mm -hmm. of your time Uh, me and my co-host dave will try to fill you in on some information that uh, you didn't know so come check us out at commute the podcast sweet and Haley hobbs
1: Over on Source Pages, we're going to be reading some What If comics from 2008, just kind of for fun, because they've really taken that show and mostly made it um, original from the comics, and that's cool. And then we're going to also read The Lightning Thief, the first Percy Mm -hmm. Jackson book for that show that's coming out. And then if you follow me on Instagram for the show, I do these little book reviews with other things that are source material that are being made into movies or shows that don't really fall in our geeky realm. Um, the latest one I did was The Shepherd, which is a short film on Disney+, Plus, which is a cool little holiday story. So check that out.
0: Sweet. And J. Scotty St. Clair
3: yeah please check me out over on animation deliberation the podcast that takes action animation and cartoons seriously but not too seriously and uh for those that are you know dedicated listeners i apologize we've had a little bit of an unplanned hiatus due to some travel and and scheduling but uh we're looking forward to coming back in full force to cover all of the finales uh invincible season two uh, attack on titan and of course we're looking forward to what if season two just around the corner animation deliberation wherever you get your podcast.
0: Yeah, I need to talk to you about that, Scoots, because uh, I don't know if, how you guys are planning to cover it. But we want to do MCU Cast every day for the for the, for the pod for the as they drop. And I know Ashley and Jeff are not going to keep up with me, so uh, I was hoping you might join me over there for an episode or two or whatever you I, can.
3: I'm sure I could.
0: Yeah. Sweet, sweet. Um, and uh, if you if you are interested, uh, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. I know a lot of listeners to this show know about that show, but Loki's over, and it feels like we're hitting a drought. But man, December is stacked. We're gonna do uh, Captain America, First Avenger. We just dropped yesterday. Our our Infinity Saga rewatch. We're gonna we're gonna try to make it to Iron Man three so that we can do it for Christmas time. And so we've got three. Uh, we're gonna do three Infinity Saga rewatch movies in a row this week uh, or the next three weeks, and then we hit our stride doing uh, daily episodes for uh, What If? So. Lots of stuff coming in the feed this week on MCUCast. So check out the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast wherever you get podcasts. We'll be back very soon. We
1: love you all. Peace.
2: You stay classy, multiverse.